Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Are you patient all of the time? Do you find that you're you get frustrated in your job, with your family, with your kids. You get frustrated. And when we do get frustrated, we become critical. We become impatient. We become uncaring. And especially in the household of God, this ought not to be. We ought to be the ones that love each other the most and the best. And, you know, we don't want to be like that army that shoots its own wounded. And oftentimes we can be that way. You know, how many church families over the years, and perhaps you've been a part of a church family, hopefully not here, but maybe you've been part of a church family that has done that very thing. You've you've messed up, you've made a a mistake, you've sinned in some way, and instead of the body of Christ wrapping their arm around you, you found yourself shunned and pushed out. Welcome, everyone, to today's Bible lesson on Truth in Christ Radio. Today we continue in the book of James, and we see that James was speaking to the new Jewish believers by reminding them of the return of Jesus and how they needed to be patient while they wait. Today, Pastor Rob gives us the same reminder to be patient even in the everyday circumstances that may try us. Sometimes the very hope of the coming of the Lord has seemed to increase impatience rather than patience. When we think about it, the waiting and need for endurance we have in the Christian life is very much like the example James gives of the waiting of the farmer. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. James chapter 5. And last week we were talking about the coming of Christ, because in this last chapter in the book of James, remember James is writing to a group of believers, Jews, who have been scattered. They have really no friend because their own countrymen see them as traitors, the Jews, because now they're Christians, now they're following Jesus, and, and certainly they're no friend to Rome either. Rome wants to snuff out the influence of Christianity. They thought that they killed its leader. They thought they killed Jesus Christ and, and, and that it was over with. But little did they realize, on the third day, he rose again. And he was seen for 40 days of upwards of 500 people. And so his resurrection is a recorded event. It was very public in the way it occurred, his resurrection. And we know that now he ascended into heaven, and he is there interceding for us. And he says that I will come back in a time that you think not. And I will come back, and if I've gone to prepare a place for you, he said, that where I am, you might also be. And when we looked at verses 7 and 8 last week of chapter 5, it says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. 
and establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And we talked about the, the rapture of the church and the, and the second coming of Jesus and how they're two, they're really one event, but two different phases, if you will. The first phase could happen at any time, and we're waiting for that. And I pray to God that it happens today because I don't know about you, but as I look around the world, there's nothing here that really excites me. I mean, there's little temporal things that all excite us. And, you know, everybody loves to around the holidays and gathering together and having a nice meal and maybe watching a parade or watching something on TV and sitting back with your favorite beverage and Coca-Cola or uh, hot chocolate or whatever you've got and, and just enjoying some time to relax, you know. But there's nothing, there's nothing greater than the hope that we have yet and the hope that's still before us, the, the return of Jesus Christ in the clouds. The Bible says that we'll meet him in the clouds, that we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be gathered up, we'll be snatched up off the earth. Violently, our bodies will be transformed from this mortal, we'll put on immortality, and we'll, our bodies will be changed from this terrestrial body to a celestial body, one that can withstand eternity. Eternity. And I love that. I'm look, so looking forward to that. There's not going to be any pain any longer. There's not going to be any shoulder problems. There's not going to be any leg problems, knee problems, hip problems. You're not going to be tired. You're not going to cry in the sense of sorrowing because you're, you're upset. It's going to be a blessing. And the Bible says that that moment could happen at any moment, and I pray that it does. But there's also a second part of that. We, we talked about how the Lord, the, the, the Spirit of God in us when we're born again, that's the earnest, the down payment of our salvation. But there's also coming a time, as we said in the rapture, he's going to bodily take us. He's going to redeem the thing that he has put the down payment on. And he's going to retrieve us unto himself, and we're going to be with him forever at that point. And while we're with him, the earth is going to go through a period unlike any other time. And Jesus said, if I didn't come and put an end to it, no flesh would survive. But at the end of that seven-year period of God's wrath being poured out on a world that has rejected his son, Jesus will come. And in Revelation chapter 19, beginning in verse 11, it tells us that he will come back and the whole world will see him coming in the clouds with great power and glory on a white horse. On a white horse. You ever seen those Clint Eastwood movies? Those westerns? Well, our Savior's coming back. And he's coming back on a white stallion. And he's going to have a name written on his thigh, the Word of God. Right? And he's going to defeat all the enemies. With his mouth, he's going to put an end to all the rebellion for a season. And, we'll, and then he will set foot on the Mount of Olives physically. And he will set up his thousand-year reign. But as we get into... Verses 9 through the end of the chapter, you know, it's talking about being patient and persevering. And, you know, we live in a time where we need to be patient. Certainly at this time, the, the people that James was referring to, they were struggling. They were going through difficult things. As we said before, their countrymen hated them, the Romans hated them, they're on the run, and now nobody wants to be with them. Only those who are of like heart and like manner, Christians, they hang out together because they believe in the same God. They believe in the same Jesus, the one who saved our souls. But you know what it says here in verse 9? It says, Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned or judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. We ought to be kind-hearted to one another because when I am, when I am uh, as we wait for his coming, sometimes I, I don't, I'm not that patient. Are you patient all of the time? 
Do you find that you're, you get frustrated in your job, with your family, with your kids? You get frustrated. And when we do get frustrated, we become critical. We become impatient. We become uncaring. And especially in the household of God, this ought not to be. We ought to be the ones that love each other the most and the best. And, you know, we don't want to be like that army that shoots its own wounded. And oftentimes we can be that way. You know, how many church families over the years, and perhaps you've been a part of a church family, hopefully not here, but maybe you've been part of a church family that has done that very thing. You've, you've messed up, you've made a, a mistake, you've sinned in some way, and instead of the body of Christ wrapping their arm around you, you found yourself shunned and pushed out. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Jesus would never do that. He's a compassionate Savior, and he wants us to be that same way. But we have to get out of ourselves, out of our comfort zones, and minister to each other, to love one another. And that's so very important. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, it says this, Jesus said, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Do you want to, be, do you want to have friends? Then be friendly. Do you want people to treat you kindly? Then be kind. Do you want compassion? Then be compassionate. I love the reciprocity of the body of Christ. We love each other, and we receive that love. And it's just a wonderful thing when it just continues over and over again. And that can stop at any time by our hardness of heart. We can say, you know what, I'm mad at you, I'm frustrated. We take it out on each other. And certainly at this time, they were doing that. They were taking it out on each other. They were frustrated, impatient. And remember, that first century church, they were thinking that Jesus was going to return in their lifetime because he ascended from the Mount of Olives, and they're thinking it's not going to be long. He, just, he said he's going to prepare a place for us. Well, he can do that in a minute. <laughs> so where is he? And a few hundred years go by, the church gets frustrated. Is he really coming back? You know, they were frustrated with Moses, too, when he was up on the mountain in the Old Testament, and he was only up there for 40 days. They grew impatient. We're going to build a calf. <laughs> we're going to make ourselves a golden calf, just like we did in Egypt. I don't know what happened to this guy, but we're going back to Egypt. And here it is, 1,900-plus years, but the promise still remains. Has he ever been unfaithful to you? He's never been unfaithful, and he never will be unfaithful to you. When Jesus said he's coming for you, you can believe it. I believe it. And he said, even the signs of the times... If the signs of the times are coming before our eyes for his second coming physically to the earth, how much sooner then is the rapture of the church? Very soon, folks. We're living at the very end. He said, My brethren, take the prophets who in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. And this word patience is a Greek word that means for the long haul, to really truly be long-suffering. It's makrothemeo. It's a fancy Greek word. It just means it, for the long haul. Be, be patient for the long haul because it's going to take time. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 3. Because the prophets, they suffered long. And we're not going to do an exhaustive thing because we can't because we don't have that much time. And even as I look at the clock, it is my enemy. <laughs> In Ezekiel chapter 3, God said to Ezekiel, he said, Son of man, eat what you find and eat this scroll and go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. 
So I ate it, and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. And then he said, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them, for you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech or of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Now to many, and not to many people of unfamiliar speech or of hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely I sent you to them, and they should have listened to you. But the house of Israel will not listen to you because they will not listen to me. And so, in other words, Ezekiel, you go and share with them, but they're not going to listen to you. Think of the futility of that. But think of how successful he was, Ezekiel, in doing that very thing, yet it, it yielded no change. And then, and then to think how, uh, you know, as Ezekiel's ministering to the remnant there in Babylon, you look over in chapter 4, and, and God has him a living model before them. He, he actually makes, tells Ezekiel to do these very things. He says, lie on your left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it, according to the number of the days that you lie. He, he actually has him, to, he's like a, a physical model before them. He lays out this little embattlement, this little uh, clay tablet, and, and it's Jerusalem. It's shaped like Jerusalem, and he builds embattlements. It's a, he's like playing army, and he's doing this day in and day out. And then he says, and for 390 days, I want you to do this on your left side. I want you to lay on your left side and play this little battleship game in front of everybody. And they're going to be looking at you, because if you're laying on the ground and you're doing all these things, they're going to be thinking, where is the straight jacket and the little paddy wagon, Right? That's like standing up with a cowboy hat in the middle of, you know, Baghdad, you know, with a, with a horse and a, and a pistol. Actually, that never mind, that sounds like Saddam Hussein. Uh, but um, you get the idea. And so he tells him to lie on his side for 390 days. And then after that, he wants him to lay on his, right, his left side for another 90 days. I'm sorry, 40 days. And he has him have a very light diet. And he tells them to take, in order to make his own bread there, to take human waste. They would mix it with straw, and they would use it for a fire. And Jeremiah, or Ezekiel, as a priest, he's like, you know what, Lord, I can't do that. And God says, okay, use cow dung instead. <laughs> great, what a great consolation. So he tells him to, to bake his bread with cow dung mixed with straw. Does that bring patience? Think of how patient God was and the patience that Ezekiel went through, knowing that the very words he was going to share was going to fall on deaf ears. And also Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Think of what he went through. No one listened to him. God told him, Jeremiah, I want you to go and I want you to speak all these things. Tell the children of Israel, of Judah, to surrender to the Babylonians. Surrender to the Babylonians and everything will be fine. Go captive. Let them take you captive into Babylon. You'll live if you do it and just surrender to them. And he told them over and over again several times. They put him in jail. They released him. They put him in jail. They released him. And he's telling King Zedekiah the same thing over and over again. He refuses and refuses. And finally, God, because of Zedekiah's rebellion, God brings judgment upon Jerusalem, sets it on fire. He allows the Babylonians to come and set the whole thing on fire, all because of disobedience. And think of the patience and the perseverance of Jeremiah as he's just feeling like a failure. Have you ever felt like a failure that the words you share with people just is falling on deaf ears? It takes perseverance. But you can't think of it and take it hard upon yourself because remember who they're rejecting. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the God that you serve. So when you go to share a message, don't take it too hard, Christian. <laughs> don't take it too hard. 
Because they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting your Lord. They're rejecting your Lord. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 7, God would say this to Jeremiah. He said, do not pray for this people. That doesn't sound like God. He says, don't, don't pray for this people anymore, nor, nor lift up a cry or a prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. There came a point where he's like, I'm, I've had it. Their judgment is coming. It's coming. Think of the perseverance of Jeremiah. And what about in Hebrews? It says, by faith they overcame. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, says this, By the faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. In verse 32, And what, shall, what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, speaking of Daniel there, quenched the violence of fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Verse 36, Still others had... Mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. Tradition tells us that Manasseh, the king of Israel, got so mad at Isaiah that he stuck him in the hollow of a tree and then had the tree sawn in two. And think of the perseverance, the prophet never giving up, being faithful to the Lord for all those years, telling and telling and nobody would listen. Isn't it a sad thing? But that's what he's talking about. He's saying, persevere and be patient as you wait for the coming of the Lord. We need to be patient. We need to be patient. It ought not to surprise us either. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Truly happy. You know, to be, to be wounded or to be persecuted because you've done something wrong, there's no glory in that. But when you're doing the right thing, when you're sharing the truth of God, the love of God with people, and they hate you for it, and they come against you, there is glory in that. And you will receive a reward for that. Jesus lamented over Jerusalem in Matthew 23. He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and, and, have, and have stoned them who have been sent to you, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. You weren't willing to listen. Patience, perseverance. In verse 11, back in James now, he says, We indeed count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance in Job uh, of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and very merciful. You know, in, in Job chapter 1, we're just going to go through here. You might want to write these down. But in the very first chapter of Job, we, we see what Job had, all that Job had. There's a catalog of his possessions. It says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and the man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters born to him. His possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And so... Here is this man with all of these possessions, and Satan comes before the Lord in, a, in, a, in the heavens, and we're given a clue here of what's going on in the heavenlies at this time. And Satan comes before God and says, uh, 
Uh, and God says, well, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm just kind of going around, looking around the earth. And the Lord says to him, have you considered my servant Job? And you might think to yourself, what a horrible thing. But God was going to showcase, the, showcase this man's faith for everyone to see and for all of us to benefit from. Think of the thousands, the millions of people who have benefited from this man's calamities and how at the end he, he persevered. It was very difficult. In fact, there came a point in the book where you see in chapter 2 and chapter 3 how he lost everything. Within a very short period of time, he lost his sons, his daughters. He lost all of his possessions. And then his friends come, and they try to encourage him. And then they start pointing the finger at him. Well, you must have been in sin, brother, because you lost everything. God's judging you. And this battle goes back and forth for quite a long time. And then finally, in verse 38 through 40, or chapter 38 through 41, God intervenes, and he says, Where were you, Job, when I made the heavens and the earth, when I made the frost, when I made Leviathan, when I made all these things? And God just brags of his omnipotence. And I love that, those chapters. If you want to get encouraged, read those, three, those couple of chapters. But I love at the, at the very end what he says to Job in, ch- in chapter uh, 42, verses 12 and 13. After all of that toil, the many, and, and God even allows Job himself to be afflicted with sores and boils where he would scrape himself with a, with a, with a pottery shards. He would scrape himself. Have you been so painful where you're just like, you're just scraping yourself because you, you know, it's like poison ivy times 12, whatever that may be, and you're just really uncomfortable for a very long period of time. For many, many days, many days. His wife even said, just curse God and die, Job. Thank you, honey. <laughs> love you too. <laughs> Be warmed and filled. But I love what God does. It says, now the Lord, uh, chapter 42, verse 12, he says, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had now 14,000 sheep before he had seven. He had 6,000 camels now before he only had 3,000 camels. 1,000 yoke of oxen before he had 500. 1,000 female donkeys before he had only 500. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. I wonder why they didn't double. Well, they did, actually. You know why? He didn't double them on the earth because his three seven sons and three daughters were in glory. They were waiting for him. So he got his double because now he had seven sons and three daughters more, and in glory he will see them. See, that's a difference. This man was going to go to glory, and he lived the rest of his days very blessed, but God used him as, a, as, a, as an example of perseverance, of patience. And did he, did he pass the test with flying colors? Was, he, was his witness always wonderful? No, he struggled, and just like we would struggle. They're real people. This is a real story. This is not some uh, children's story. This is real. Jesus said it was real. Other biblical you know, uh, men and women they, they attest to this. This is not just some story that was made up. I believe this happened. This is not an allegory. And yet he persevered in the face of trials. And folks, we need to do that as well. And you know, the extent of our relationship with him, the better we're going to be through that trial. So I would encourage you, we have some dark things coming on the horizon, but don't give in to them. Don't give in to them. Verse 12, But all, above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. 
It's very easy for us to make oaths. You know, Jesus forbids those. He says, again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, don't swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of James. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, This has been Truth in Christ.